In listening to dispatches from Iran, rather than watching television, reading columnists, hearing the president speak of his ally, the Shah of Iran, I am reminded of reports and communiques that came to us, the millions of us, during the early years of the Vietnam War, how we must go there to defend democracy, we must stop the inroads of subversion and communism, and thus the Vietnamese War and the adventure and how it affected all of us came to be. I wonder, will it be repeated again? What do we know about Iran and the Shah? And very little. So I thought we should get a point of view that we don't hear often expressed from an Iranian professor whom I'll call, this is a pseudonym, Ali Irani. He teaches the humanities, a very distinguished professor at a Midwestern university. The reason his real name isn't used is because he has a family living in Iran, as simple as that. And in Chicago today are, this is common knowledge, among the police, among certain journalists, are members of the Sabak, who are the Shah of Iran's secret police. And they work in conjunction with the intelligence division of the Chicago Police Department, euphemistically called the Red Squad, who identify some of the students you see on occasion picketing, saying, stop the Shah. And you notice in many TV uh, dispatches you see, they wear masks for obvious reasons. They're afraid. And so my guest this morning, who knows Iran, its history, the role of intellectuals, and the conditions there for the past 50 years, will talk, and I call him Professor Ali Irani. So he's my guest this morning about Iran today, in a moment after this message. والسماء رفعها ووضع الميزان لا تطغوا The opening passages of an Islamic lament, uh, Professor Irani, the song and its meaning to you. It is a story from Quran and it's sang by all the Muslims in the world. Sometimes five times per day. It is inspiration for millions of Persians and Arabs and Egyptians. It is an inspiration to pray to one God. And uh, it is, as you heard it, sang beautifully, though without any music. I was thinking, uh, what this is part of your collection of music. It's a lament. And I think of Iran today, of course. And so we begin. We begin with the Shah of Iran. And we are told that the insurrections taking place are because he's too liberal against Muslim fanatics seeking to liberate women and to reform the land, or a dissident, as we put it in quotes, rampaging students. Your thoughts on that? Well, the Shah of Iran 
It's an absolute monarch. And I'm very sorry to tell you that our government, President Carter and Secretary of State Vance, is supporting him. I'm very sorry to tell you that in this land of freedom, Iran is regarded to be a country which run by the mobs and by the ignorant. I want to have a quote from Walter Lacour in The New Republic, who says that, quote, the Shah assumption that Iran is not ready for parliamentary democracy is undisputable. It is true that there has not been a tradition of democracy in Iran, but so it is true about India and it's true about Japan. It is almost an insult to tell that the Persian cannot rule over themselves and they need a tyrant called benevolent to be ruled by. And it is quite surprising, and yet not surprising, that we are supporting this government for years. It seems that the change of presidency did not make any difference. It seems that the policy of helping a dictator is continuous. And uh, I do not blame American people because most of them do not know what is happening in Iran. And the press often, not always, supporting the Shah and his regime. I suppose what I think, Professor, I call you, I can remember to call you by your pseudonym, Ali Irani. Uh, I think that perhaps if you become more personal now, more specific, uh, you yourself, what you saw, remembered when you left Iran, the situation, how the Shah came to be, who preceded him, the role we played, and the condition of the people there. When did your memories of Iran as a small boy, where, where were you raised? I was born in Tehran before the father of this Shah, as a result of the coup d'etat, became the king. What coup d'etat? This is a, a coup d'etat which occurred uh, after the First World War. I think it was 1921 or so. And as a result, the Qajar dynasty was finished and he became uh, the king. This is the father of the current Shah. Shah Shah. Yes. And uh, in fact, he changed the constitution because in the constitution was written that Qajar dynasty should continue to rule over Persia. And uh, he changed the constitution and put the name of Pahlavi dynasty uh, to be continuous. Um, it is uh, strange that one of, the, uh, one of his oppositions in the parliament at that time was a man who thought that this is unconstitutional 
and his name was Dr. Mossadegh. Um, the President Shaw, no, Dr. Mossadegh finally ran for office and was elected, was he not? Yes, oh, he was a well, member of well, Parliament. Suppose we just try to recall this in your own way, just yes. without, just yourself. You, you, you were there, and when was Mossadegh elected by the Iranian people? Um, I am now talking about uh, after the First World War. Yeah, uh, Mossadegh was a member of the Parliament. Yes and uh, he was elected by people, and there was a somehow weak parliamentary democracy in Iran before the father of this Shah yeah. um, became a king. So Mossadegh was elected, and what was his program? Mossadegh was a liberal, um, and he believes in um, um, getting rid of the foreigners, both Russian and the British mm. at that time. And then, when he became a prime minister under the present Shah, he was the first, I think, leader who started the nationalization. Nationalization of, of oil? oil? Of oil. And that, of course, brought his downfall. Now, we think of oil naturally and think of Iran. The American oil companies there in Iran. Yes. And the nationalization of oil will be not to the best interest of the American oil companies. Um, there are many uh, American oil companies. Mm -hmm. um, they have a special share. I do not know the yeah. exact details. I of think it. one of the, if I remember right, if I remember, he, he would pay them what he thinks they put down on paper it is worth. Right. Yeah, but then, uh, so he'd nationalize the oil. By the way, what was the condition of the people then and now too in Iran? What's the condition of just ordinary people in Iran? Um, the condition of the Persians at the present time is terrible. As you see in this report, uh, which is established yeah. by a neutral organization. Uh, yeah, this is a report from a magazine called e uh, Middle Eastern Reports. It's neutral, it deals with all. Uh, Middle Eastern Research Information Project documents U.S. arms sales to Iran. And this is uh, patently uh, technical magazine, really. and it has a report here. This is interesting in the time of Proposition 13, cutting out taxes. We have given the present government of Iran from the years 1950 to 1979, U.S. military sales to Iran have been this will be 24 billion, 24 billion dollars, 452, 102. This is uh, what we give. But I want to come back to, uh, to you and your memory. So Mossadegh, Mossadegh was elected. This was when? Uh, just This was a after the wo First World War. After the First World yes. War. You know. Before uh, the President Shah became yeah. king. Now, how, how was he, how did he become, how was he deposed? Um, that parliamentary democracy um, lasted uh, only a few years. And the father of this Shah, though did not, like his son, dissolve the parliament, but he packed the parliament uh, with his uh, cronies. And uh, Mossadegh was uh, under house arrest for many years. And then, as you know later, that the present Shah, uh, after his father was banished 
by the British and the American to Africa, he became a king. That was in um, after the during the um, Second World War. It was after the Tehran conference, Wait. or a little bit before. By this time, it has come a knowledge. It is admitted in many books that the U.S. CIA played a role here too. Well, the role of CIA is Quentin documented. Yes. I'm thinking of Quentin Roosevelt. This is a little after um, Operation Ajax, which is um, designed by CIA, forced the Prime Minister of Persia, which was elected and loved by many people, um, out of office. And what was his name? Dr. Mossadegh. Oh, Mossadegh himself. Mossadegh, yes. And the military general, the father of Ardeshir Zahedi, who is the ambassador of Iran in Washington, became the prime minister. So that was the end of the few years of parliamentary democracy. And there were many political parties in Persia. They were, of course, some pro-Marxist. Um, they were uh, many nationalists. Mossadegh himself was nationalist, uh, but not that only not only um, the parliamentary system was demolished but the many members of the parliament were arrested and uh, dr mossadegh was condemned to prison for some years and then uh, he died under house arrest uh, in old age i'm thinking about uh the cia role because i'm quentin roosevelt in fact, talks about it and brags about it. Yes, uh, that was a famous Operation Ajax. That was Ajax. With the help of um, American money and weapons, uh, which were given to the military, uh, in one or two days, the military uh, power took over the parliament. And uh, from that time up to now, this regime of terror is continuous. So the Shah of Iran was brought in by us, in a sense. Yes. Obviously, he's our creature, and why, why, why would we do that? Well, I do not know uh, very much about American policy, but unfortunately, I should say that it seems that we are replacing British imperialism uh, on the pretension that we are fighting against communists. This is very important to know, because many students who are against the regime are Marxist, but they are not communist. In fact, they talk about two kinds of imperialism, U.S. imperialism and USSR imperialism. Soviet imperialism, yeah. But the newspaper give an impression mm. that most of them are pro-Moscow. Um, that is uh, one of the big yeah. lies which I want to dispel if I can. Please. And some I know that when I'm talking to so many students who drive cabs or around, I, <laughs> I Everyone I've met is against the Shah. Every, now, they can't all be stooges of the Soviet, you see. They're, they're Iranian students. And, and many are nationalists. Many are not Marxist at all. And many of them are Muslims. Yeah. Um, and that group is uh, getting stronger, uh, mostly because of this brave uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, who now is in Paris. This is Khomeini, who is a Muslim spokesman. Khomeini is a leader, uh, although myself, I'm not a Muslim, and I do not believe in any mythology, but I think 
most people respect Khomeini as a in political religious leader and he has many followers and this is not unusual because during the constitution uh, revolution there were many mullahs who became a leader of the constitution and there's a tradition for I'm it. I'm thinking Professor Irani if you could become more personal perhaps your own memories and knowledge and letters you receive from relatives and friends and what you know just the con- uh, we'll come to the question of now and the Shah and what is happening in the streets of Iran. Your own memories, yourself. Well, you were in, in Istanbul. Uh, I mean, you were in... Uh, Tehran. In Tehran, I'm sorry. Yes, I was born in Tehran, mm. and I left Tehran, and I came to U.S. Um, to study political science and uh, other humanities. And uh, after I left, uh, uh, Mossad came to power, he was very popular. He was a really, truly elected prime minister. And Shah, from the beginning, was against him. And uh, he nationalized the oil. And as a result of the coup d'etat, he was forced. What were the conditions of the people then and becoming under Mossadegh? Well, when I left Iran, the power of Shah was very limited. There was a parliament. Before that, there was a rather a strong two-day You left party. when the old Shah was there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I just left uh, after the Second World War. Left, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. And um, there were many political parties. I remember that I used to read all kinds of newspapers, left, right, religious, otherwise. But all that finished. This was going on... Uh, this is something like 30 years ago. 30 years 30 ago. ago. When did the new Shah come in, the Shah? He came um, uh, maybe one or two years before the Tehran conference when uh, Stalin and Churchill and Roosevelt met in in Tehran. Up till about his time, there were all sorts of papers you could read. Yes, they were political parties. Mm -hmm. Two-day party was very strong at that time, but there were other political parties. The two-day party was the major party. Two-day party at one time became a very important uh, political party. And of course, uh, they were, at that time, they were... uh, Stalinist, and uh, they were pro-Russia, which turned many people against them, especially because of the uh, invasion of Azerbaijan by the puppet government of the the so-called democratic... Yeah, Yeah. by the Russian invaders and predators, yeah. So we come to the government. Now there was changing, right? It was changing, becoming more democratic. Yes. there was a period of democracy during the Second World War and after is this it. Who, is this when Mossadegh was in? Uh, till Mossadegh became a prime minister, uh-huh. it was a democracy. Uh-huh. And uh, m- one of the things that Mossadegh uh, is criticized was that why he didn't abolish to the party. But Mossadegh was a Democrat, and he believed that uh, there are some people believing in that ideology, and they have a right to express themselves. So he had every ideology. Uh, Many ideologies. No, they all were free to express their opinions. Yes, and the uh, newspapers. We should see the newspapers. They were free newspapers, and uh, it shows that the Persian, like Indian, are quite able to have a democracy, so and they don't need a tyrant um, yeah. against the suggestion of so Mr. there was Mr. discussion. Robin. So there was discussion. Yes, on that. By the. Walter LeCair writes for the New Republic magazine, which is uh, 
proud to call itself a liberal magazine. Yes. Walter Curtin luckily says the Iranians are not ready for democracy. It's a phrase we've heard so often expressed, expressed about African people, about the Vietnamese people, about Chinese people. It's I expre- expressed about everybody except ourselves. And so here we go again. Here we go, the same old ride. And so there was discussion. There was a democracy. And it was thanks, with no small part to the, our, our contribution, was knocked off and the Shah was brought in. Right. Okay, what happened since the Shah came in? We want to, in your own way, by the way, with, through your own, through your own uh, correspondence and people you know. Too. Well, when Shah uh, fled the Tehran and went to Rome, and the coup d'etat occurred immediately after his departure, he came back and uh, he started the program of uh, terror. He abolished all the political parties. And in fact, he abolished the parliament. For two, three years, there were no Iranian parliament. And uh, with the help of CIA, and with the help of American support, he built a big, monstrous And our army. money. And by the way, we should point out, since we're very uh, economy conscious these days in elections, with billions of taxpayers' money. Right. The weapons which are going to be useless, these powerful airplanes uh, bought by the Persian money against the wishes of people and perhaps could be used against the people if he needed to do that, at least the machine guns and the bomb and the weapons uh, against his own people. And if you notice that recently, just I think last night or night before, the Shah uh, was uh, expressed his view in the on the television, and he said that I guarantee that after the military government, freedom and the constitution will be freely uh, re-implemented. Your revolutionary message has been heard. I'm aware of everything you have given your life for. The terrible thing is that he has not heard the message. The message is this, they don't want any more monarchy. And that is the real message. Who are the people? We read about uh, rampaging, I use that adjective, that's one that's used continuously, rampaging students, among others, and fanatical Muslims. Who are the people? They are thousands and thousands of students and the merchants and young people with the bare hand fighting against the, the bayonets, the machine guns of the army. And thousands of them were killed recently in Tehran. The estimate is 5,000 killed and wounded. And many of them, they were buried in a famous uh, cemetery in Tehran and uh, there are pictures of their massacres you can see and I have seen the films Uh, it sounds like a French Revolution brave women fighting against the soldiers with the bare hand what 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 are some of the specific some of the specific grievances the main grievance is that they are fed up with the dictatorship and no amount of compromise is going to satisfy them. What are the economic conditions of the great many? Well, 
I, I was going to read uh, yeah. some statement from the journal about the economic condition. Let's see what he says. And because this they is have the done Middle Eastern report. Right. That is apolitical, just offers information. In this article, we shall be examining the state of food and agriculture in Iran today. For several months, there had been warning signals of the impending crisis. This, there was a petroleum slump in 1976 and the continuing decline in oil revenue from 19 billion in 77 to 20 million in 76. There was a budget deficit in a foreign trade, a galloping rate of inflation, officially 20%, but in fact 30%, and a stagnation in agricultural production. In marketplace, shortage in an increasing range of, of goods lasted for longer and longer periods. Potatoes, onion, meat, milk, and sugar were scarce. There were electrical blackouts, and so on, so. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, the Shah's plans, we are told, to uh, alter the country's economic structure. First of all, he's engaging, we're told, about in land reform. Um, you see, it's that uh, under absolute uh, dictatorship, in the absence of free market of opinion, in the absence of real planning and the participation of people, there can't be any reform. There has been some move towards distributing the land and getting the land from the land, big landlords, and somehow participating um, and giving the land to the peasant. But most of his reform were sham. And uh, it's not going to last long. Um, although it's very hard to predict, make a prediction about history, but uh, I can see that this regime is not going to last long. Is, is the, uh, I'll ask you about, or we're told also about his plans to liberate women and to bring uh, Iran to the 20th century. But of this in a moment, I just want to say, ask one thing before we take a, a break for a message. Professor Ali Irani, this is not the name of my guest, it's another name he's using, is that, uh, now time out, I, I lost, is that we're told only certain kinds of people are in revolt. And you're implying that it's a great, the great many people of Iran that merchants, small businessmen, as well as students and intellectuals and are... are uh, I think this regime is the most unpopular regime ever existed. Shaw knows that he doesn't have any friend. You don't see any demonstration for him. Some years ago, he abolished his own two political parties and established one political party called Rastokhiz. But even the members of that political party are not doing anything now to show some support. The only thing he has is the military, and I do not know how long the military power is going to help him and when they are going to turn their guns against the regime. Dr. Rani is my guest, and after this uh, message will return to more of his thoughts about it. 
uh, perhaps a word about people he knows there and their feelings and why indeed you have to use a pseudonym at this moment after this message. Resuming the conversation with uh, my guest, who is a professor of humanities at Midwestern University, whose name is not Ali Irani. We're using it because he has some close relatives back there. And it is also indisputable, <laughs> no one denies it, and certain journalists in town know it, that some of the Iranis' uh, secret police they call Savak are in town, and they work with the Chicago police in identifying some students if they can, if some of the students are... are uh, are identified and kicked out of school, they're subject to deportation. And so, if they're subject to deportation, what will happen to students if they're sent back to Iran today? Students who are objecting to the Shah? Well, now the situation is so revolutionary that uh, they are immediate problem for the Shah to deal with. But in the past, uh, many writers, playwrights, they were arrested when they went back home, and the report of their uh, of the terrible condition of Iran could be summarized by just a sentence from Amnesty International in 1975. Quote: No country in the world has a worse record on human rights than Iran. This comes from Amnesty International, that won the Nobel Prize for Peace a couple of years ago highly respected international organization. Amnesty, by the way, speaks of dissidents and the repression in Eastern European countries to keep the record straight. They have attacked the Soviet Union and Czechoslovakia and Cuba, as well as Chile and Brazil, Indonesia, Iran, and knows the worst record on human rights. How many would you say are in prison right now, dissenters? Well, uh, the situation is very fluid. Um, at one time, the report is that there were more than 5,000 people, political prisoners, were in jail. Recently, he was forced to free many of them. But just two days ago, there is a military coup d'etat again under his supervision. Martial law. Martial law. Not coup d'etat, martial law. And uh, there is no newspaper in Iran except one. Uh, there is no freedom of discussion, and the people are going back to jail. And many people are already arrested, re-arrested. And so this is a human rights we, our president, does not discuss. On the contrary, there's, there is a handshake and there is promise for support. So I'm thinking of the amount of money, since the subject is economic so much, and we've got to cut down the expenses, and we worry so much about welfare and about waste in the government, $24 billion to the Shah since 19, what's in the past 20 years or so. Right. $24 billion, that amounts to a bit. So I thought perhaps there's another aspect of America you should know, most of us don't know, but there's an event that took place in Kentucky, in Lexington, Kentucky, a couple of weeks ago, the chief of the CIA, Stanfield Turner, spoke at the university, and some Iranian students objected, and they were arrested. Eight of them were a the young member of the faculty, an American, and the judge imposed a $15,000 bail on each for disrupting the speech, which is less than disorderly conduct, disorderly conduct. And, but there was, I read in the papers about a couple from Kentucky, a middle American couple named Louise and John Smiley, 
or at a restaurant, middle-aged couple who put up the bond, and I was curious. I met these people. I went down to Lexington to talk myself, but while there, I said, I'd like to meet John Louise Smiley. Suppose we hear part of this conversation. They are not liberals. They're just an old middle American couple, worked hard all their lives, made some dough running a restaurant, and retired, and here's how they're connected with Iran, the Shah, and students. And things were popping. Then, uh, well, how'd this come? So you're now sort of retired. You were coming out of the case uh, that made, you, made me know of you. Now you built, you saved some money now, and now you're retired, sort of. Yes, sir. Oh, we're, we're retired. We're retired. Yeah. And you live here in a nice-looking ranch house, sort of, in, the, in a little community here, development in this area. And your life's kind of easy, right? Sort of easy? Yes, I'd say so. <laughs> After all the hard work, you, you deserve some rest, you know. I wish it was. No, but I mean, is then, then what made you do what you did? Now we come to it. Where did you hear about this case? Well, I saw, I saw it on the, uh, the TV, and I saw it on, read in the paper something about it. Mm -hmm. And what got me really interested in, here these, these students, I didn't know what they, uh, they was picketing about. I didn't understand that, but I hadn't paid too much attention to that. But what, what I used to go bail bonds. Mm -hmm. uh, in 40, 45 to 50. You were a bail bondsman. Mm -hmm. So I knew a little bit about law. I learned, you know, about the courthouse so much and all and all. But when, uh, when I saw that they was charged with, uh, uh, what was that? Disruptive speech. Disrupting a speech. And, and, and he set their bonds at $15,000. A piece. A piece. Well, that's what got me interested. It was that big bond for that? It wasn't really a charge. It just uh, and uh, so uh, I knew I knew I, I knew this. These boys was getting uh, raw deal. Bad deal. Mm -hmm. So I called I called the jail first and asked who their attorney was, and uh, they told me Pam Goldman. I got a whole pound Goldman, and uh, she told me something about the case, and, uh, and uh, this was on a, I called her on Saturday night, and I talked to her again on Sunday, and uh, she said she ha had to go down Monday morning to see, I mean, to try to lower the bond, go try to get lower the bond. Well, I told her to go on down and do get the best she could, but I would bring the 125000 with me. Because there were 120,000, because there were how many? I'd uh, see, there were about 10. What did you have? Eight Iranians, eight. one American? Eight Iranians. Yeah, and so nine. That yeah, covered, covered the bail for all nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The American bail was just 5,000. Yeah. But none of us covered the bail for all nine. Yeah. You did that. Yeah. What well, happened? I couldn't have. Uh, see, I, uh, I would have had to have done it. I couldn't sleep because I saw they, they would be crucified. Really crucified, and then of course as I got into a case more, and, uh, the uh, we signed the bond on Monday. We got them out on Monday afternoon, and, and that was the last day that they was they would have been eligible for appeal. Was that right, George? 
Monday. That was. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, that was if you hadn't got out on that day, you would have had to. Uh, you you wouldn't have got it. You wouldn't have had. You could have worked over at the college, but you wouldn't have got paid. Is that right? Yeah, I'd, I'd have gone on uh, leave without uh, questioning young member of the faculty who would have. But but the rest of but the rest of them, you understand, they was on school visas. Mm-hmm. If they didn't go to school, they would have been shipped back to Iran. Iran and 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 probably shot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good possibility, uh, from what I understand. Yeah, because they was against the shot. That's right. See. So. Uh, uh, See, they, they had they had forty nine they had seventy nine seventy nine more days to serve when we got them out, uh, but see they they couldn't they couldn't go to school. You see, there was no chance of them going to school, and uh, if we because they sent them on out of the country. So what it did what it boils down to is by doing this we I guess we saved their lives, and by the judge hanging his fifteen thousand dollar bond on each other's neck if we hadn't done it he 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 would have been a murderer i think how do you know that's interesting you see, what interests me here is how do you know about the shah about this involves they were protesting the cia head being invited to the college yeah how do you how do you know that about the shah and that feeling I, well i got it well, mostly from them mostly, yeah. mostly from them after yeah. we had See, we hadn't talked to neither yeah, George yeah, nor the boys yeah, that were in yeah. jail until after they yeah. were released. But that you night. did it. You you did what you did because you felt you knew something was wrong. Right. It was disorderly wrong. conduct or whatever it was. Something at fifteen. It wasn't, di- it wasn't as bad as disorderly yeah. conduct. Do you remember your own case too? Don't yeah. you? Going way back when yeah. something similar but that, happened. That didn't have nothing to do with no. this case. That no. didn't have nothing to do. No, but with I'm this. thinking you knew something about justice. Yeah, but at yeah. the time we weren't thinking about that. Yeah. No. It never once crossed our mind. What did you do now? You read that in the papers. Did you and your wife, Louise, you, well, talk, you two talk it over or what? We read, uh, see, I'd, uh, my husband had been in the hospital. Yeah. And he hadn't been reading the paper and he hadn't been watching the news. But I had been. So on Saturday morning, I picked up the paper and read this little article. It says Iranian, eight mm. Iranians and one American mm. uh, in a you know, $15,000 for the Iranians and five for American for disrupting a speech mm. of the CIA uh, directors, Chief, yeah. you know, Director. making their at the university. Yeah. So when Mr. Smiley came in to read the paper, why, well, he saw the same thing. And he said, did you read about these boys? And I said, yes. And he says, I think we'll go their bond. And I said, well, okay. So we got to thinking, well, how are we going to find out how we're going to do this? So I said, well, I'll call the jail and see who their attorney is. So I called the jail and got their attorney's name. And he tried to call Miss Goldman, and she wasn't home. So he didn't get her until Saturday night. And then after he had talked to her and found out a little bit more about the case, that was when we decided that. Your mind was made up. Oh, yeah. I would have put up $250,000. Well, tell me something. Uh, you have friends. You ever just talk about the? You have we a never talked to no one. Yeah. No one but us knew yeah. it. They yeah. didn't know. No one yeah. that knew us yeah. knew we were going to do this until they saw it on TV. Did that, that come night. as a surprise to people who knew you? Oh yeah. Huh? It yeah. came as huh? Did it? Oh, yeah. yeah. But I. Uh, None of our family. One thing. One thing. I, I, I tell you, people just don't care about other people anymore. They don't. 
It ain't like the old days. Used to when they helped each other, but they they don't care. Explain that some more. Well, I I say that people try to they live by themselves, mm -hmm. and they. Uh, uh, well, what? Uh, let me. I let me, I can explain right, it to okay. you very well. When I was a child growing up, okay. We, I mean, you know, people did things for each other. Uh -huh. You know, like if the farmer needed help, the next farmer went and helped him. Well, Louis, you don't have to go in that. No, no, no that's yeah. kind of good. No, that's kind of good. I like that. That's, we'll come back. Mm, what I'm saying it's is, it's but nowadays it's not like that. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Now, what did one, one of the boys over there was telling you what he heard when he went home? What did he hear when to he went the, home? You know, don't you remember? What this college was telling you what he went when he went home in Eastern Kentucky? No. Oh, when well, the, the thing about it was one of the boys at the college was at the journalism department when we took this over. He said that people didn't care anymore because what they would say, well, oh well, they're just pigs. Let them lay there and rot. Mm. You know, they have no human feeling yeah. for them. Yeah. It's there's there's no compassion. Well, tell me something. What about do you, you have your children, whom you're proud of? Do your children know about you in this case? They you, didn't know it until after. It happened. I know. What are their reactions to it? That's none of their business. And that's what I mean. No, it's none of their business. Well, what did they? What did they? Well, say? our son said he's real proud of us. Yeah. He we, did. We haven't heard much from the others. You we haven't, haven't heard. We, but our son said he was very proud this of. Is one of your sons. Yeah. So. One of. Them. But you haven't heard from the others. No reaction yeah. whatsoever. No. They, do they know about? Do they know about it? Well, there's two of them lives here. Yeah, they know about that, and you haven't heard from them. That's interesting. We don't care. That's and interesting. We don't care. Yeah. So you haven't heard from them, and here you, their mother and father, who raised right. them, right? Yeah. So you. Of course, little, I guess they've got troubles of their own. Yeah, you were a little class. You were a little disappointed in not having heard from them. Really? No, no, it don't make any difference. You're going to say really. You're about to say something. You said really. <laughs> I'm touching a delicate book. The reason I say this is because this book is on American dreams and family as well. Well, of course. And, and often you think of young kids who have sense of conscience and the older parents, they don't do about it. Here's the reverse. You see what I mean? Yeah, a lot of us back in the, the 60s had to do things that, uh, you know, our parents weren't going to support us in. And now here we have something. No, let me see. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Yeah. I would much rather do for these boys. Yeah. For they're in bad shape. For they're trying to help themselves, than I would for one of my children that don't try to help themselves. Mm. They don't try to help themselves. See. see what? Yeah. It's not a. You know, last thing I want to ask you. This is going very, it's very moving, very good. What? What did you expect? Did you have any idea what the reaction would be? When you made, you, you know it's going to be talked about. No, I went over there dirty. I didn't expect, I expected to go over there and, and, and put up the money and come on back home. I didn't expect, I was sick. I just got, I just got out of the hospital. I didn't feel like going through that, but I tried to hold up under it. But I, when I went over there, I meant to go over there and, and get these boys out and come back home. You say you went that dirty. You mean you were in your work clothes? You mean you didn't? No, no, no. Boy, he didn't clean up as you. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just put on That's casual I mean. clothes. No, I mean, and, and we weren't expecting anything in yeah, return yeah. for it. You mean it's something you did? As a right. Matter, that was it. That's it. Not no, no big fancy act. No, no. No. That was it. So, what? Uh, or what are the reactions? Now we come. What have the reactions been? Of course, the reactions is getting better, and. Uh, 
but but I'm not saying what I'm not saying. I want I want these. I, I, you see, as long as these students has to has this held over their head that their life will be tucked back and this stuff, they they can't they can't study right. They so I, I think they they spent 11 days in jail, and uh, a hard way because what I mean the hard way was. That they didn't have, they didn't have, didn't believe that they had a chance of ever coming out of there, because they and, and staying in this country. They figured that they was going to be sent out of this over back over there right away, and so they did. That, they did that the hard way, and of course they're going to school the hard way now because they're not out of it. And what I want the judge to do is to drop it. And in this terribly moving improvised conversation with Louise and John Smiley of Sterling Mount, Mount Sterling, Kentucky, 30 miles out of Lexington, retired old couple, we have something, Professor Irani, deeply moving. By the way, the great many people now are backing them. They said they praise them for the. Gives you a sign of hope about the decency, the innate decency of the great many American people. I want to tell you, Estat, that uh, at one time, Americans were loved in Iran. I myself went to the American high school run by the missionaries. And although I am not religious, but I want to tell you they did wonderful things for Persians. In fact, one American died in the battle for Persian constitution, and Americans were respected very much. It is not true that Iranians are anti-American. What is true is this, they are anti-imperialism. And they American cannot help not to, I think to make it like the government, which yeah. uh, is helped to all the it, time by I think the, to make it quite clear, <laughs> the great Iranian people and most of them are not anti-American, they're anti-Soviet imperialism as well. Yes, sure. So they can have their own. Uh, which leads, of course, to the question of the Shah again and his reform, we're told. Uh, I understand he's freeing the women from a certain kind of burden. We're told this is so. Well, you see, it's never the question that the dictator frees people freely. It's the people that fight against it and get some of the freedom. Um, the Persian women, there are many educated Persian women do not want to go to Wales, and they wanted to participate in government. In fact, among the prisoners, among the people who were murdered by the Shah, are some brave Persian women. I noticed, by the, as you say, uh, we're talking about the Shah seeking to liberate women. I noticed among some of the prisoners, political prisoners, some of whom have since died in prison, some of whom perhaps are still there, Fatima Saidi Shahayan, who is a highly enlightened woman, she, we don't know whether she's alive or not. Uh, a number of other women and uh, colleagues are there. And so it's rather ironic. So we come back to the big question. Suppose the Shah is overthrown. Well, this revolt seems, it, at the moment, it seems growing, doesn't it? Yes, it's all widespread. It's still, there's a strike in Abadan. 30,000 workers refuse to go to work and they are striking many other places. Now, the, let's question, think about the alternative. 
Yeah, because I come back to the American intellectual, Walter LaCour of the New Republic, or for that matter, in a lesser way, Carl Rowan, who had several articles on how good the Shah is. Yes, let, let us cut from yeah. Mr. Rowan. On Sunday Times, November 7, he writes, insultingly, the terrible truth about Iran is that there is no discernible democratic alternative to a monarch who has ruled while he was reigning. The student cannot run that increasingly complex society. It would be a cruel joke to hand power over to Ayatollah Khomeini, the exiled Islamic leader, or to the other Islamic mullahs who wants to ban co-education, which is false, restrict emancipation of weapon, which is false, and in other way, repel the 20th century. This is Mr. Carl Rowan. Carl Rowan. Uh, remember the start uh, during Weimar Republic, <laughs> or you read about it, that how some British thought that there is no alternative except Hitler mm -hmm. to come and stop communism and destruction of civilization. The same argument appears in many American journals, while a friend of mine by the name Professor Ehsan Omid, a political science professor at an American university, writes in the Inquiry, the magazine called Inquiry. I'm going to quote for him. Far from being unthinking reactionaries, they favor through liberation These are the opponents of the show. Uh, the opponents the of the show. Uh, I should uh, quote him. Okay. Millions of Iranians are united in opposition to the Shah. Far from being unthinking reactionaries, they favor true liberation and an end to dictatorship. Omid argues that the Shah opponents are capable of running a socialist state in alliance with the predominant Shia Islamic sect and without any monarchy, and I believe it too. And so we have the situation there now, as indeed the analogy to uh, Vietnam is incredible. And we know little except when the decency of Americans is appealed to and the knowledge is there as with the couple in Kentucky, the smileys. Your implication is to leave the Iranian people alone. Obviously, we, if, if there's a danger of the Shah being overthrown, we may in some manner, we don't know quite how, intervene as we did in, as a possibility. I don't know who they're going to get to fight it, but there's enough weaponry in the Shah's hands to make it not too difficult for him. And we're contributing more and more dough all the time. And so in answer to Walter Lacour and to Carl Rowan, well, there's a possible alternative, but here we are. Any thought you have right now? Before we hear a song, there's a, there's a song that's very popular now in Iran. A choral group will sing it. We'll end with that as we open with the Islamic lament. Uh, what thoughts do you have, Professor? I forget what I'm going to call you. Islami. No, Irani. Professor Irani. Well, I hope that revolution by the Iranian people will be successful. And I am sure that one day or other there will be end of this absolute monarchy. And perhaps he's the last king who is going to depose. I hope so. Thank you very much, Professor Irani. 
You know, there's much more you have to say, much more you can't say because that is specifically about your life and your family there because of the possible dangers. And so there's a song. What is the song, the kind of song we close with? This is a song uh, written by the, some Persian student. And uh, in all their meetings, they sing this song. It is for freedom and liberation and against tyranny. Thank you. What is the uh, Persian word for uh, freedom? Ozadi. 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 Ozadi, Professor Irani. Thank you very much, Mr. راست گالیا در گوش من فسانه دلدادگی مخان دیگر زمن ترانه شوریدگی مخواه دیر است گالیا بره افتاد کاروان Yeah. 